0: Welcome to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home, live inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith.
1: Oh, it's wonderful to be with you today. And I am so incredibly excited because my favorite musician of all time is coming on the show today. His name is Todd Rundgren. He's been around for exactly 52 years musically. That is his first album came out in 1970. But he's one of those artists that keeps producing new albums all the time and touring all over the country. And he's doing exactly that. He is uh, touring. He started a tour two days ago in Chicago um, with Daryl Hall of Hall & Oates fame. So it's Todd Rundgren as a special guest on this new solo tour with Daryl Hall. And it's called Before After. And there's going to be an album of the same name. And it's basically taking the songs of live from Daryl's house have you ever seen that show? It's, it's now on TV. It used to be an online program, a uh, musical program, a feast of musicians. And so they're taking like the greatest hits from, from that show and doing them on the road. And so Todd's going to, you know, as I said, he was in Chicago. He's going to be in Nashville. He's going to Carnegie Hall and the rest of it. And we get to have a super fun, great long conversation about his career, his life, his music. And it's just it's, it's joyful. And he is really there's nobody like him. I don't think um, still at his age performing, he looks like a teenager when he's on stage and he's in great shape. So, so excited to talk with Todd. On Rungren in just a moment or two, and uh, I want to thank uh, Balance of Nature, Fruits and Veggies in a Capsule for sponsoring the program. Uh, you know that speaking of looking young, staying young and fit, and being able to rock and roll for uh, into your later years in life has a lot to do with, I think, the kind of nutrition that you get, that your body gets, that you feed your body, and it's it's a big game changer and. You know, the the more we uh, grow in our understanding of true health, the more we know that fruits and vegetables, um, the the things that come from the earth, are truly playing the biggest part in keeping us healthy, boosting our immune system, and and keeping us fit well uh, longer, you know, than we would hope. So it's a it's a great it's a, it's a great product that. Really takes a lot of the guesswork and the footwork and the uh, everything that goes into if you were to buy the amount of fruits and vegetables that are available to you in these capsules veggie capsules, um, the way they do it and keeping all the nutrition in because they add nothing else except for the produce into the capsules. if you had to go to the store and buy all the, those fruits and vegetables and cut them and eat them on a daily the ten servings a day that you really need your body needs. It would be difficult, but balance of nature has taken the guesswork, the footwork, and just all the work out of doing that and giving you the nutritional bang for your buck that you are looking for. And we all need, whether you're two years old or 102, fruits and vegetables is where it's at. And there is no other product like balance of nature. So you can go to balanceofnature.com to order. And when you do so, please put my name into the promo code. It's Laura, L-A-U-R-A. That way they know you heard it here on the way home. And they will give you a 35% discount on your first preferred order and free shipping for good if you put Laura into the promo code. So do that. You can also call them if for some reason you're not near a computer. You can call them at 800 2468 751 800 2468 751 and tell the nice person on the phone there that you're putting Laura into the promo code LAURA that way you get your discounts and free shipping and all that good stuff and nutrition back into your routine to the it, to the level that it's supposed to be. So on that note, we're going to come back, you're going to hear a little bit of great music from the one and only Todd Rungren and a great conversation. Don't go away. It's the way home. I'm Laura Smith.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, I think this might be
1: the third or fourth. No, I think it's actually the fifth time I've had on my most favorite musician of all time. And I'm talking all time in my life for like 50 years now, and that's kind of uh, putting a number on it. But uh, Todd Rundgren uh, is truly in a wizard and a true star. He is uh, the proverbial. Uh, I think he's probably the most prolific musician to date in terms of what he does and the albums that he's put out since 1970. And he has never ever stopped. He is a pioneer in the world of video, in, in addition to um, you know all that he does with music. And he's a an, an a a plus uh, world class producer of uh, the likes of albums from Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell, and and XTC, and a thousand other ones. But he is currently touring uh, the country with Daryl Hall from Hall and Oates fame because they've known each other an awful long time, and so they're doing something together now that sounds absolutely wonderful. Todd Rundgren, thank you for being on the way home.
2: Oh, my pleasure.
1: You are uh, just amazing. I've never seen anyone that goes as much as you every almost. It feels like almost every year you put out a new album. I could be exaggerating it. Uh, How how often are you putting out music still?
2: Um, Well, not as not as rapidly as I used to in my youth. I can recall like a year where I would put out maybe two solo albums, a utopia album and three productions in one year. Um, yeah. At this point, you know, maybe every other year, or every three years, you know, I, I get a record out, partly because um, I tour so much and that um, that does put a dent in it. Uh, also, the you know, the whole record um, industry is a little bit stranger and more unpredictable than it used to be just because of all the other sort of alternative ways of delivering music and the alternative models for getting compensated for them. Um, I've always recognized that, you know, artists' number one way of, of supporting themselves is playing live. It always has been, you know, since time immemorial, when we had no records to sell.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: uh, ultimately, if you want to survive as a musician, you got to stay out there on the road. And the records are just part of your, you know, your merchand merchandising and marketing in a way.
1: Right. And and nobody puts on a show in my estimation. And I've seen so many things uh, over the years. Um, and I have been to so many of your shows. You're you're a true showman. There's a, there's one thing to be in a band and, and to be a musician who plays on stage. There's another thing to be a total entertainer and a showman and. All of your shows, no matter what they are, are extravaganzas, and they are just just so spectacular and wonderful. I went last year. um, In fact, it was a year ago. It was last February. You were in Chicago and you was it the Individualist Tour. I think it was called. Um, And you had the most amazing light show behind you I have ever seen. I mean, it rivaled just anything. And it was so I, I couldn't. I couldn't even take it all in. It was just so beautiful. I guess the the pictures came up on my feed the other day on social media, and I had to post them again because they're just so gorgeous. And what a wonderful show! So you you put on a show. When people go to see you, they they'll hear their hits, their favorites. They'll hear stuff that maybe they haven't heard before because they maybe don't know your twenty two albums or even more than you've uh, that you've done. But the show that goes along with it is just. The most entertaining thing, whether you're playing a small venue like City Winery in New York City or whether you're in a huge venue. And last year was fun. It was in the pandemic. So it was kind of a part virtual, part in person. There were only 19 people in the audience. I was lucky enough to be there. It was just it was just spectacular. So the fact that you're still doing it after 52 years. I mean, do you have any you have any desire to slow down at all or you no, know, you just have you just keep going. You just love it as much as ever.
2: Well, I do enjoy the performing, you know, the the being on stage is the best part about being on a tour. The traveling is the worst part, of course. So there's always trying to balance those things out. Those, uh, the great enjoyment, you know, being with your audience and, and, and being able to see their faces and hear their reaction and the, deal it takes to just get there and do that thing you know so that virtual tour that you referred to was kind of almost maybe an ideal that uh in my uh in my more senior years i'm 74 now but there'll be a point in which that kind of travel is just not going to be practical anymore and that show that we did uh it would be a great um substitute for that kind of travel. Um, one of the great things about it was, uh, yeah, you mentioned the production itself. I never would have been able to take that on the road if I had to travel to 25 cities, it took more than a day to just to put up, you know, right. just to construct the thing. And so like having to put it up and tear it down and move it around just would never have worked right. at least not, not for me. So, uh, my God,
1: I can't believe you're 74. You look for you. You look 44. And I'm not just saying that to be nice you look 44 you're unbelievable you haven't changed at all you're and and you you move around the stage and you dance just like you did when I went to see you back when I was in college so it's a remarkable thing I don't know what you're drinking there or eating there to keep you like this but it's 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 so incredible and the beauty of I'm what drinking,
2: you do I'm drinking I, up the audience essentially. yeah that's it's beautiful like, you know, it's like I say it's a uh, it's the best part of uh, of a touring day is is the actual play part, but also you know that you know the level of commitment you put into it is that you know you get a commensurate reward for it, and so I think that it actually makes me physically fit doing a show because I don't get that kind of exercise nor you know do get straight of running around the stage so um it's part of what um Part of what keeps me young is to, like doing totally. the shows themselves.
1: Oh, absolutely, and and your sense of humor, I think, has a lot to do with that. You're one funny guy. You're extremely funny. You're funny on stage. Your wife is funny. Your backup singers are like you. Just have this incredible sense of humor, and it it just plays right into all that energy that goes out there. You're you're so ahead of your time for. For You've always been this way. You've always been on the cutting edge of doing something before everybody else did. This idea of doing that concert the way you did. You stayed in one place in Chicago with that gorgeous light show behind you, but people would come virtually in on Zoom from different cities every night. So they felt like they were getting... like Indianapolis felt like it was getting its own concert, and then Milwaukee felt like it was getting its own concert. But they didn't have to leave their living room. You didn't have to leave the stage in Chicago. It was just genius. It was pure genius. But I want to talk about um, this new thing you're doing with Daryl Hall. You guys were childhood friends. When you say childhood, are you talking about when you were teenagers? I I used to hear rumors that you would be sitting on the street corner in Philadelphia singing with Hall and Oates or something. I don't know if that's true, but um, here you are after all these years. How long have you known Daryl Hall? Certainly
2: sounds romantic, doesn't it? But uh, i I met Daryl when um, when I produced uh & Oates' third album. It was called War Babies. And it was actually before most people had heard of them. Um, they had one hit single. It was called She's Gone, and it was from their second album. And when we got into the studio, Daryl had all this kind of new, very songwriterly material and stuff that he wanted to try out. Because the band was actually very eclectic, they would do like folk music, and then they do a little jazz and stuff like that. It was a whole, um, a whole lot of different styles worked into their um, into their songwriting. And when they uh, delivered, um, when they delivered "War Babies," the album that I produced to Atlantic Records, Atlantic didn't hear a follow-up to "She's Gone," so they immediately immediately dropped them. So, no kidding. So the album, the album that I did with Hall and Oates got them kicked off of Atlantic. <laughs> but oh then my they, gosh! But then they went to CBS and developed that Blue Eyed Soul thing, you know, and then dominated AM radio from then on. So, um, yes. but this act, this tour actually is, you know, it isn't Hall and Oates. It's Daryl's house, and it's. Uh, it's Daryl doing all that, you know, doing his his solo stuff, but also bringing the vibe of his TV show, you know, to the to the stage in a way. Yeah, and I think that's the one reason why I'm a part of the show is because when I appeared on Daryl's house, we had so much fun together, and also those were some of his more popular shows. So, oh
1: yes, oh yes when i when you went on there, I think I've probably. I put on probably a hundred times viewing it just myself that that was just such an incredible moment when you guys were there together and doing the songs that you did live from Daryl's house. I think it started in 2007, which makes it about 15 years now, 15 years old. I know he took a hiatus last year because of the pandemic, but that. That was one of the first online shows that I ever binged watch, and I would do it like deep into the night. I would be on there for six hours just watching one episode after another where a, an artist would come up to his place in, in a little up there. And uh, it was it it wasn't in New York at first. It's in New York now, it's, it was I, in
2: Connecticut. Yeah.
1: Connecticut. That's right. And he would have like a chef from a local restaurant in the town come. You would all sit the band members and, and whoever the guest was, say it was you and he'd the, this incredible meal would be made. And then after the meal, you guys would go into that barn and you guys would play either hits from the Holland Oats library or his own solo work or hits from the special guests. Like when you came on, and, you know, you did several of them. And it was just I mean, it's it's such a beautiful show, so I so before and after is the name of this solo tour and this album that's coming out, which is going to be a lot of the songs from that were performed on live from daryl's place uh I
2: house. believe so i I did get a a track listing of essentially you know the best of Daryl's house um from which you know we have a performance together and uh I thought it was you know just an amazing thing that he did, a very brave thing because he uh, initially bankrolled the whole thing himself. Um, he couldn't tour, he got Lyme disease, and that was the kind of the inception for the idea he you know he didn't have the strength to you know to to do an actual tour, but you know he could uh bring people to him essentially to do the show and at first. It was only online. It was not on Access TV like it is now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, yeah, he put together a team himself, paid for it all himself. And uh, after a while, it started to catch on. And now it's like it's something of a phenomenon. Uh, he's had so many artists, he's almost running out of people to put on the show at this point
1: I, yeah i mean they he he has people that maybe people haven't ever discovered before and then he'll have Smokey robinson and you and and you know just honest to goodness just it just uh, such an array chromio i love the chromio and oh, i mean it just all of the episodes are just they're all masterpieces and so you i think you're going to be doing can we still be friends with him correct on the tour. Uh, we'll be
2: doing a couple songs on the encore yes i get a uh I'm, I'm the opener. I get a set of my own and do about an hour. And, and Daryl uh, does his set. And then we get together at the end to do a couple of encores.
1: It's so awesome. So awesome. So by the time this show airs, you're actually opening night for this tour is tomorrow night, which is the first. This show is going to uh, actually air on the third, which, you know, two days later. So we're going to, you know, we can't really say, how's it going? Because... I, you know, we're taping it now, <laughs> but um, it's going to be outrageous. You're so you're starting in Chicago. You guys are going to Carnegie Hall in the in New York, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Just Carnegie Hall. I guess you had to practice to get there, right?
2: Yeah, practice, practice, practice. Uh, Pract- yeah. Yeah. This is the uh, this tour has some of the best venues that I've ever played in. Um, I've played in most of them before. I played the Auditorium Theater. Um, I believe even did a show of my own at the auditorium at one point. I mm-hmm. um, played the Ryman with Ringo in Nashville. That's where we're going after Chicago, yeah. and uh, and uh, like you say, Carnegie Hall, the Met, Philadelphia—just the finest venues in the land.
1: Uh, <laughs> and, truly,
2: and so I it's think. you know just great as an artist to be able to uh, to be in. Um, just these classic venues alone, it just ups the whole experience. I think
1: absolutely, and I know he's bringing his core band from live from Daryl's house. So Elliot Lewis on keyboards, so I love him. He's he's a friend, and um, so just some of all his his back his singers that he has on there. So the people that you've seen on those episodes, if you're a, a rabid fan like I am, you'll recognize them. Minus is it was it T Bone Walk. Is the one he used to be. Yeah, T Bone used
2: to be the musical director of the show. And then he unexpectedly passed away uh, a few years ago, which was a blow to everybody who knew him. You know, he was just a hyper musical guy, a really fun, funny guy. Yeah. Um, Just, you know, he was great to be friends with. And it was, you know, uh, it was a surprise and a heartbreaking one. At that, But, you know, the band is back together and and playing like the band that you've heard so many times at, at Daryl's house. So.
1: Yeah, it, it's um, I mean, and, and you and Daryl have something extremely in common. I think you're brothers from other mothers, maybe from another lifetime, whatever. But you guys <laughs> both seriously, you're both similar in age. He might even be older than you. I'm not sure. But you guys, your voices are pristine. They are pristine. They sound better now than they did 50 years ago and that is something that's so rare because even the greatest of singers they sound good but you can hear them aging in their voices you guys don't have that it, it what is that
2: um you don't stop you never get off the bike you know <laughs> it's right. the thing if you like if you go into one of these so-called retirement phases you know it's uh It isn't like, you know, your voice and your onstage stamina and things like that. It isn't like riding a bicycle. You can't just hop back on and expect everything to work like it did the last time. So it's, you know, one of us just never stop. You know, that was, I think that was part of Daryl's philosophy in in doing the TV show. You know, he couldn't go out Mm -hmm. on the road, but he also couldn't stop singing. You know, it's just. You, you identify so much with it, you know, that you have to find a, or create a circumstance whereby you can continue to sing. That's how you keep your voice working.
1: Absolutely. I I believe that. And you guys are living proof of it. If you had a favorite album of all of them that you have uh, created yourself for yourself, are you are they like babies? You can't really say your favorite because that would be mean. Which one do you love the most?
2: (laughs) Well, it isn't the meanness. You know, it's the it's I you know, I don't like absolutes, uh, you know, because it's one of those things where you give an answer to an absolute and then you think about it for a moment. You realize, oh, maybe it was something else. (laughs) Maybe it was maybe it was that other record. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't um, I don't even kind of stress myself by trying to figure out which one it is. I just say pass. Pass on that question, you know.
1: Okay, fine. They're all your favorites, probably. When you're doing them, they're no. They're they, not they, all
2: my favorites. I know that some, uh you know, some are more frivolous than others. <laughs> you know, the they're ones all that I,
1: even the frivolous ones are fun, Todd. That's the thing with you, and they're the music. The musicianship is so good. So even what sounds frivolous to you is super high quality. Like just on any given day for anybody, but. I can see how you would say that you're a genius. You're masked. You you're like a maestro. You really truly are. You're somebody with, you know, so many gifts when it comes to this. And in, on so many levels that you're obviously your standards are incredibly high. But it's music that is so vast in in, in your styles and in your approach. And yet they all have that beautiful, soulful Um touch to them, whether you're doing your electronic music with all video behind you or you're doing something, you know, on a piano, just singing your heart out. You have that. There's the same beautiful soul that comes through all of it. So it just makes all the sense in the world that you and Daryl are going out on this before after tour. I just Google everybody where they're going to be because they're going to be all over the place. You're going to want to see this. It's going to be absolutely beautiful. Then when that's over, Todd, do you have any other plans coming up that we can know about?
2: Well, when this first leg is over, which is only eight dates, first leg, um, then I get a chance to go home for a few weeks. Then we do a second leg with Daryl, um, mostly the West Coast. And then uh, I go out again with the Beatles Revolver Rubber Soul Tribute Band, which is Christopher Cross and, and Jason Chef from Chicago and Joey Mullen from Badfinger and... Oh. Denny Lane from Denny, from the Moody Blues and Wings, and so you get to see the people who made some made some of this music originally. And then I uh, will do a, a maybe a month of my own, kind of just bopping around the country doing a, a unpredictable evening with my band, in which uh, we have a set of maybe fifty or sixty songs. And I tell the man which the first song is. And then after that, I'm just pulling the songs out of the air. And no two shows are alike. We have no idea how they're going to go. Uh, um, so I've got, the- I've
1: got to see this. I've got to see that. Because I, I remember, I think you did that another time. And I didn't get to see that one. Um, but I, I always wanted to be a part of that. Because th- that would just be incredible. So it's just, is it sort of the top of your head and, and, and the band just has to be ready to go? Or do you have sort of a set idea before you do that unpredictable playlist?
2: Well, most, there's, like I say, there's a big list of songs, but the order that we, which ones and which order we play them is unknown before we hit the stage, except for the very first song. Uh, and we may, you know, while we're on the road, sometimes, you know, there'll be a musical meme that's a big hit or something like that. And we'll learn that song and play our version of it. You know, mm-hmm. we've done, uh, Roberto, uh, uh, um, Fridays at some point, you know, uh, we did, uh, uh, Pharrell and Daft Punk's Get Lucky Sometimes, you know, um, if I can find an excuse to do it, you know, we may learn, you know, whatever, uh, Whatever happens to be hot in the the top forty, or we may remember an old song from the fifties that will work out and and play that.
1: How much? There is
2: no, there is no target era in this. The music comes from all places and all uh,
1: genres and
2: genres. Um, So it's a, it's a funny thing in that sense because nobody knows what's going to happen.
1: My old friend, Bruce McDaniel, who played guitar or bass for your show last year. No, he, um, good.
2: he was a guitar player.
1: He's awesome. And he, you know, we're like our kids grew up in elementary school together. So and he used to, like, edit all my voiceover tapes and stuff for me. And he played with my daughter when she was doing electronic music and stuff. But anyway, but for his whole life, his dream was to play with Todd Rundgren. And then all of a sudden, he gets a call and he was talking about the kind of the audition process. And he just said that at any given moment, he had to play any one of your library of like 400 songs. And he was, Knowing him, he was able to do it because he was practicing <laughs> like 30 years ago. So <laughs> and he yeah, he's he just that was the, the highlight, I think, of his life and uh, career. Uh, so I know how he, he he thinks a great deal of you. And I know you guys were just having a great time down in New Orleans for Mardi Gras because he posted a picture of you guys.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, we I, I didn't go for Mardi Gras. I went for this pre Mardi Gras event called Barkus, which mm-hmm. essentially is Mardi Gras for dogs. <laughs>
1: Are you serious?
2: Yeah, it's a big parade with nothing but dogs. <laughs>
1: and did you bring your dogs? Do you have dogs?
2: No, we have dogs, but well, getting them to, to from Hawaii to New Orleans is not really in the cards. So,
1: so what were you like on a float, or, or a judge, or what? What, what did you uh, we do? just watch? We it
2: a judge, but we were in a, we were in a critical position in the uh, in the route of the parade. Uh, right at uh, Royal street and domain. And they essentially stopped uh, so that we could come down and feed the King and queen of the, of the parade, some milk. <laughs> we got, so they stopped Our- the parade so we could come down and hold a bowl of milk in front of the King and the queen <laughs> of the parade who had their own little floats and didn't have to walk.
1: Oh my gosh. That is crazy. That is fun. Oh, it was well, fun. That... It was
2: a hysterical time. We loved it. Yeah.
1: I bet I can totally see that. Oh my gosh. Well, Todd Rungren, I am telling you, thank you for years of just pure joy of hearing your music, watching you perform and you continue to do so. And I really, I, I hope everybody hears this and says, I'm going to make it to one of your shows because honest to goodness, they'll never see anything like it. It's the best feel good time that you'll ever have and I'm just I, I just love you thank you so much for all you've done all the years and just keep on doing it
2: please thank you and try and stop me
1: <laughs> exactly exactly Todd Runger and everybody oh bless your heart thank you so much God bless love you much Thanks and you love. love to Michelle too thank you so much for being on the way home Right.
2: right we'll talk to you soon thank you bye bye talk
1: to you soon bye-bye thank you
2: Oh yeah.
0: listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura.
1: Well, we all want to get away, don't we? After uh, two years in a pandemic where we didn't really feel like we had the freedom to go where we wanted to go. But I, for me, I have been thinking about where can I go that's different than I normally used to go? Maybe somewhere where I could drive uh, or even fly, but someplace different. It's almost as though my heart and spirit are craving to see parts of the world. Uh, that I haven't seen yet. And I have someone here today, Isabel McDougall. She's the media relations officer for tourism of Prince Edward Island in Canada. And she has all the skinny on how beautiful that island is and how we can get there and what we can do once we do. Hi, Isabel. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. So, I, you know, I have never. No, I I shouldn't say that. I've been to Montreal uh, when I lived in New York, but that's it. That's all I've seen of Canada. And I've had such aspirations to see other parts of it. I've heard a lot about Prince Edward Island. And for those uh, listening in my Connecticut area and New York area, um, for them, it might be. They might be actually be able to drive there if I'm correct, but for those in the Midwest that are listening to me in Indiana and Michigan, probably not so much, but uh, give us an idea about, you know, w- where it is and all that there is to do. I had no idea when I just started researching it, how incredibly beautiful and chock full of wonderful food and things to do. Um, tell us all
3: about PEI, as you call it. Sure. Uh, Prince Edward Island is located off Canada's eastern coast in the Gulf of St. Lawrence. Uh, we're Canada's smallest province in both landmass and population with roughly 160,000 full-time residents. So we're very small. Um, we're known for our, our uh, iconic jagged red cliffs, uh, our beaches, friendly people, Anna Green Gables, and of course, our thriving culinary scene.
1: Absolutely. And when you say culinary, I'm, I'm thinking about the seafood that must be available there and how incredibly fresh and delicious it must be up in those waters. People, I, I, when I think of Canadian waters, I think of it being absolutely freezing, apparently not so much, though. And is that because of, of the Gulf Stream or something? Tell us about that.
3: Yeah, you're right. Um our waters are actually quite warm because of the Gulf Stream. So the Gulf Stream is pushing uh, warm water up into the the Gulf of St. Lawrence, and because of the shallow waters that surround Prince Edward Island, we actually have the warmest waters north of the Carolinas. So a lot of Americans are surprised to learn this. They think that um um Canada has cold, frigid waters. But in August, for example, um, our beaches, the average temperature of our waters is around 70 degrees. So it's it's very swimmable and it's great for um, kayaking, stand-up paddleboarding, kite surfing, parasailing. We basically have every on-the-water activity uh, possible. So all of our bays, uh, most of the bays and, and harbors offer kayaking and stand-up paddleboard rentals. So there's lots of opportunity to get on the water uh, when you're on Prince Edward Island.
1: Oh, that sounds so great. And do tell us a little bit about uh, the culinary scene there. Um, tell us about your seafood and, and other things you're known for.
3: Well, when it comes to food, PEI punch is way above our weight in the culinary scene. We're actually known as Canada's food island, um, though some people also refer to us as the million acre firm or the garden in the Gulf. Uh, Our main industries are farming, fishing, and tourism. So culinary tourism is a really easy fit for us. Just to give you an example, our island produces 8 million pounds of oysters, 20 million pounds of lobster, and 50 million pounds of mussels each year. Most high-end seafood restaurants in the U.S. would serve our Malpec oysters and the PEI blue mussels. And um, we're also the bluefin tuna capital of the world, and that's just seafood. We're also um, a huge producer of potatoes, we have hundreds of uh, small family run beef and dairy farms microbreweries uh cideries small businesses that are making cheese or or sea salt or black garlic for example uh and we're also the home to the culinary institute of canada so we have a ton of great chefs that are using all of our our delicious products
1: Oh, my goodness. It sounds like I could eat my way through there. Hopefully I'd do some type of water
3: boarding or something to try to work it all
1: off. But it sounds amazing. I didn't know it was Canada's food island, as they call it. So for those that live on the East Coast, um, my audience in Connecticut say, how close are you? I I think you're closest to Maine, the tip of Maine, correct? And how long would it take to drive there from the United States? And how do you, you have to have a passport,
3: obviously, right? So you do need a passport to get in, into Canada. Um, our neighboring province, New Brunswick, borders Maine. Prince Edward Island is about a nine hour drive from Boston. So it, it is very, very drivable for, um, for some of your listeners who are along the, um, the Eastern seaboard.
1: Absolutely. I drive, you know, back and forth from the Midwest to New York all the time. It's, you know, like 12 hours or something. Nine hours is so yeah. doable. Um, tell me a little bit about if people were to fly, say from the Chicago airport or um, South Bend, which is in the area that I am or in Kalamazoo, Michigan, where would people fly into to get to Prince Edward Island?
3: They could fly into um, either Montreal or Toronto or Halifax, and the island has direct flights from from any of those uh, cities in, in Canada. Oh, so direct flights onto the island—is it
1: actually an island, or is it just sort of?
3: You know, some... <laughs> no, it's
1: an island. Yeah, we're an island. Okay, okay. So, but you have an airport on the island?
3: Yes, we do have an airport that's connected to uh, all the major uh, Canadian cities. We don't. We no longer have a U.S. direct flight. Wow. Okay. So, uh, tell us a little bit. What are, you know,
1: well, there's inflation everywhere right now. But I'm just wondering, what are the prices like? Is it uh, affordable for people who want to take a beautiful holiday?
3: Um, It is. It is affordable. I mean, it's also hard to say what is affordable. But um, for Americans, for example, your dollar is worth so much more here. Just right off the bat, Um, roughly one point three dollars for every uh, U.S. dollar. Okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, 1.3 Canadian for every U.S. dollar. So right off the bat, um, you're at a huge advantage coming from the U.S. to the island.
1: Oh, for sure. Definitely. Well, I that just sounds great. And what about little towns? Do you have sweet little towns? Are they villages? Uh, what, what is the landscape for for people who want to maybe have a little cultural taste of what the island is about?
3: So we have small towns that, that sort of dot uh, the entire coastal area of the island. Uh, people can, can either cycle or drive from, from one small town to the other. The, the small towns, um, very picturesque, small fishing villages, colorful homes. Um, and then within the, the towns, uh, many have really cute cafes and shops and microbreweries and, and activities of things to do. Um We also have what we call uh, authentic PEI experiences for anyone who wants to live like a local and and kind of get their hands dirty while they're on the island that uh, they can hop on a lobster boat and and fish with a a lobster fisher, or they can um, hop on an oyster dory and fish for oysters with the giant tongs and and reach down and and pull uh, fresh oysters out of the water and and eat them there on the boat. Um, You can work with a chef at the Culinary Institute of Canada or um, work with a potter making pottery, there's over 70 experiences to choose from. So there's all kinds of ways to, um, to get a cultural experience as well, if anyone's looking for a way to really connect to where they're going.
1: It sounds so amazing. It sounds absolutely beautiful. And um, I just want to find a, give me a website, I would guess that would People can go to to find out about all the tourism opportunities at Prince Edward Island. Um, And probably I also I wanted to add probably some of the nicest people ever. Right. Uh,
3: Well, we think that we're pretty friendly, Um, but the best place to to get more information is on our tourism website, which is tourismpei.com. And uh, under the contact us section, any, vis- uh, any of your listeners can uh, chat with visitor information center staff. Um, they can chat online or through email or phone uh, and get all kinds of information about planning their trip. So that's tourismpei.com.
1: Tourism P E I, as in Prince Edward Island tourismpei.com Isabel McDougal, thank you so much. you have so wet my appetite for this and I would absolutely love to do it as I'm sure people hearing this are now going to be putting it on their bucket list. Thank you so much for joining us on the way home. Thank you and you're listening to the way home. We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Oh,
1: my goodness. That was so much fun. I hope you enjoyed hearing Todd Rungren as much as I uh, enjoyed speaking with him. I mean, it was really such an incredible treat. And uh, I urge everybody to catch him while he's on tour with Daryl Hall from Hall & Oates on his Before After Solo tour. That's going on right now and is going to be happening for the next month. Uh, also, we, this is the time we take at the end of every program to bring good news stories to the airwaves because we need them. The airwaves need them. Our ears need them. Um, our hearts and spirits need to hear good news. And for that, we call in the guru of all good news. Jim Clefield my friend Jimmy Dean, what do you have for us today, Jim?
0: Well, I'm going to start with a very inspiring story about a retired Army veteran, and uh, this is just a very heartwarming story. We start in Adams, Tennessee, now retired army lieutenant. His name is Christopher Kurtz. He served admirably in Afghanistan. Thank you for your service, as we say. Unfortunately, during his time while he was on duty overseas, he was severely injured, unfortunately, had to have both his legs and fingers amputated. And you can imagine like any wounded warrior, any wounded veteran, their lives will never be the same. But there is a happy ending to all of this, thanks to the absolute generosity of a Hollywood actor and a foundation that he started. His name is Gary Sinise. Now, for those of you who may not know, Gary, besides starring in all these hit movies. The one he's probably most remembered for is when he played a wounded veteran by the name of Lieutenant Dan in the award-winning movie alongside Tom Hanks, and that, of course, was Forrest Gump. And what happened was a the American Disabled Veterans Organization saw that movie. They were really impressed with his performance. They recently invited him not that long ago to uh, get an award uh, for the work that he did on that movie, and he met so many wonderful friends and made so many connections that was hatched out of this was the Gary Sinise Foundation. And what happened was this veteran, the lieutenant, has been awarded keys to a smart home all because of this foundation. Now, for those of you who don't know what a smart home is, it's specifically designed for veterans, wounded veterans to help them live independent lives and when you go inside there you'll see like there's a wheelchair accessible rooms, you'll see a Dutch oven that's accessible, be able to move about the bathroom and uh, it's it's really to help them live independently without the need of a caregiver and Gary Sinise has been doing this for 10 years and you know what's the best part about this? It's free. Mortgage free that he got this house all because of the foundation, all the money that. They- Raised. And you can imagine just the happiness they brought to this retired lieutenant's face, this veteran. So, what you do is uh, if you want to help donate or if you want to get involved with this organization, you can go to Gary Sinise's organization's website. It's garysonisefoundation.org. I looked at it. You can make a donation. You can become a partner. You can work with them because they really, really need your help. I mean, every veteran you know, needs some sort of financial help, whatever that may be, whatever organization like the Wounded Warriors Project. I know we hear about that a lot. And uh, just go to that website because you can make somebody like this Lieutenant, this retired lieutenant's dreams come true after all that he put in for his service overseas.
1: Wow, yeah, that's awesome! Great, love Gary Sinise. Great story, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. You know, Gary, um, he's been doing this, like you said, for a long time, and he is beloved by the veterans. Whenever you see pictures of him when he goes on to bases, he goes on to different bases and things like that, and and they just they just love this man because I think the thing about Gary Sinise, what I I like about him. And I obviously, I don't know him personally, but he just seems so incredibly genuine. He's he's a humble spirit. He's not about, like, I'm the movie star and I'm going to help you. He's more about just giving back and helping in any way he can, honoring the veterans. He just really does that uh, to a great degree. And what this, this story in particular is a lot like what Tunnels to Towers does. Yes, you did a show about um, that. Yeah, Tunnels to Towers. And... Um, I had Frank Siller on the show. He's the CEO of that. And they do that as well. They build smart homes that are mortgage-free for veterans or veterans' families, Gold Star families that have lost someone. So, And also first responders. They also include them in that, too. So it's it's a very similar type thing. But Gary Sinise has honestly, he's devoted his life to this. And there are so many, you know, a lot going crazy a little bit in Hollywood these past days. And we don't need to bring all that up. However... There's a lot of them are doing so much good with their lives and so generous.
0: It is. Right. And uh, speaking of, we will kind of digress here a little bit. Most of us, I guess, drink coffee. I know you love coffee, Laura. I do. And I guess, Bob, I guess you drink it a little bit. Absolutely. Well, there's an <laughs> interesting invention here. Now, and this is not about drinking the coffee itself. It's what you put in coffee into that special cup when you go to your local coffee store maybe you're one of those big ones they give you these plastic cups and yes you want your coffee hot if you i presume you drink coffee in the morning but that cup is so hot you feel like you're playing a little game of hot potato because you want the coffee hot, but you don't want to have your fingers burned in any way. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, engineers at UC Irvine, the University of California, Irvine, are, are coming up with uh, some material that mimics something uh, that's similar to squid skin. Now, I was doing some research online to see exactly what this is. And I know octopus shed their skin. I don't know if the squid do. But the point is that someday you might have that as material for your coffee cup. And they're trying to bring some metal material that could either make the cup bigger or smaller. But the important thing is it keeps the coffee hot. Your hand's cool, even when you're outside. So when you get that next cup of coffee, you don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to get burned. You can be assured that that coffee is hot. But it's not just the coffee cups they're using this type of special material for. They do it for reusable bags, parcel boxes. Talk about thinking outside the box. A lot of other things. And so they're trying to roll this off uh, very, very soon on the assembly line. You can find all this research in the Journal of Nature's Sustainability. And that's also important, by the way, because this material is not only good for the environment, it's sustainable in the long term. And I think that's just really good not only for the consumer, but also really for the environment while well, making your coffee stay hot in your hands. Cool. Just a great thing. Do they have a special name for it? I don't think so. I mean, it's, it's very, very technical, but it says it's mimicking squid skin. That's, that's what they're really trying to make cool. this out of. Yeah. That is, that
1: really I'm glad is you cool. said that because I... I think I missed the part where you said mimicking it. I thought it was squid it's skin. Similar too. It's similar to It's not
0: actual squid skin. Someday okay, it will. Because I'm thinking, yeah. oh my
1: goodness, that doesn't Nobody, sound. Nobody, no
0: animals like, were harmed in this. I just want to, I just want to get that okay, out there. Okay, yeah. that
1: that's important. Yes. we don't want our coffee taste. No, like
0: absolutely not. We squid. we love we love our animals, and yeah, but just it's just they they just recognize that the cephalopod skin, something like that, they can make some material that's similar to that. And then someday maybe you will see that, but it's just down the road. But that's a great invention that what they're doing.
1: Yeah yeah the the more things that like that that are biodegradable and things i just think it's important i i always feel guilty you know when i'm drinking out of a plastic bottle or taking my one millionth plastic bag but i try to reuse them now in the house so um things like that but yes anything that can disintegrate into the ground as a is a great idea. So we're going to be looking for those squid, squid like <laughs> products. It's hard to say. Yes. Anyway, thanks you guys both so much. Always for interesting tips and stories. Uh, Jim and Bob, thanks for putting the show together today, bringing us Todd Rungren's music. Oh, this it was, was fun. beautiful. Loved it. Oh, <laughs> right. It's, it's really amazing when you get to talk to your favorite singer. I won't uh, get into that again because you won't get me to stop. But anyway, I send everybody lots of love. And a gratitude for listening to the program. Have a good week, a safe week. May it be a bit warmer than it was last week, which felt like winter all over again. And uh, yeah, keep it tuned here to your favorite radio station. And from the way home, we say lots of love and gratitude to you. Thank you. Have a great week. I'm Laura Smith.